Welcome to the forecast episode number 14. Uh it's going to be an interesting show. We are going to be looking at some of the issues surrounding the club. Uh we'll try our best to pick the bones over the recent result against uh Leicester and we'll try to retain the enthusiasm right to the end uh to preview the Arsenal game. It's been a tough week for the club. A lot of a lot of things has been said. Um a lot of reasons that have been offered to explain um why the team is performing at this current level uh also it seems that Klopp is also struggling to explain this um i don't know uh you could say that there's many reasons but um what do you think in your opinion uh, uh could possibly give some insight as to what's happening uh uh at liverpool but before that just want to say that our guests on the show today Uh, Eric, Eric, Keith and Christian Vez is uh, away uh, on kid duty. So we're going to kick this off with Eric. Yeah, so yeah, go ahead. All right, well, first of all, I think it's um it's 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 a quality thing. Um we don't have many serial winners in the team. We got loads of players from from lower leagues, um mid-table teams, um uh, relegation fodder teams. Um None of these lads are brought up with the pressure of playing for a top club. Um, you know, everybody fancies taken on Liverpool. Everybody fancies a day at Anfield, um, <coughs> and, and you need to be ready every single second of every minute of every game of every training session. Um, and 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 that's for me the main thing. Um, and and we really need to review that in. in the transfer policy in order to be successful uh get in lads from from teams like Celtic like Ajax Feyenoord um Anderlecht uh, Benfica Porto you know all these teams that every year fight for trophies um are the favorites in almost every game um those are the lads we need to uh, need to get no more crystal palace fodder so that for me is the thing on the other hand um we came out guns blazing um against arsenal in uh, uh for the first game after that we had the burnley game if you translate that from the moment henderson uh, uh made call to arms in 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 uh um in the team meeting uh we did really well against spurs guns blazing similar performance to that of the arsenal game um and then just as the burnley we had the leicester game uh everybody was angry then everybody was annoyed club was angry uh, the players were angry so um but after that we went on a what was it 14 17 uh run unbeaten well we can't do that now uh, before the end of the season but an unbeaten run until the end would uh, would do really really well so let's hope they can they can uh replicate that i really think that's A, a, a gross oversimplification of, of, of the situation. It's why can we beat the top teams? Why can we raise 
our game for the top teams. Yet when we play against the Leicesters and the Burnies of this world, we, we just seem to lose the plot. We've, we've got this sort of Dr. Jenkel, Mr. Hyde persona in, in the Liverpool team. And who's, who's to fault? Is it the player's mentality or is it the management and coach's mentality? Uh, if I look at the Leicester game, and we played brilliantly against Spurs and we played them off the park and the 2-0 the scoreline flattered, actually flattered Spurs. But if I look at the Leicester game, Klopp set up the team. He made a mistake. Uh, I, 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 Eric's favourite person, Lucas, at centre-back against <laughs> Vardy. You, I mean, you, you, we've, got Var, we've got Lucas and Milner, probably the slowest players in the Liverpool shirt, trying to contain Vardy. And let's face it, Matip is not the fastest. Yes, when he gets going, he's quite, he's quite fast. But he's not quick off the mark. Vardy is so quick is. off the mark. No, yeah, but when he gets his long legs going, but he's not quick, uh, <laughs> like a like a like a small small player quick uh, that gets the first twenty thirty uh, meters quick off the mark. Nobody's going to stay with Vardy, so why pair Lucas at the back with Milner to try and stop Vardy? It was an accident waiting to happen, and it did. And that sort of was the whole uh, essence of what happened that night. It just didn't work for us. I don't think the team setup was right. We just seem to be stuck with the same players week in, week out. Klopp doesn't shift the team to suit the opposition that we're playing. So if we've got a team that sits deep, we still play Milner on the side. And instead of bringing a Marino-type player, still bringing in a, a, a Woodburn player in that they can get wide, get balls in. So, yeah, I'm not getting down at Klopp. Klopp, for me, is the manager to take us forward. But I think he's making mistakes where... He needs to look at himself and put his hand in the air to say, yeah, maybe, maybe I could have done things better. Um, we, we, we play this high-energy game. Um, he will learn that we probably need more personnel. And we were talking earlier before we went on air about all the youngsters coming through that are playing well on the, these loans. And I'm sure we'll go into it a bit later. But I, I think... Leicester was a, was a Klopp mistake, uh, and I think he needs to hold his hand up. Can we fall apart with Henderson not there? Is this the essence of our team, that when Henderson is not there, we lack that drive, we lack that ambition? Uh, it's not good enough. And I think there'll be a couple of heads that will roll at the end of the season, uh, and a couple of people that need to actually take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror and to say, if we can put the performance in against the top eight teams in the league, we should be able to put the performance in against the bottom 12 teams as well. Yeah, but that is exactly what I mean. It is a quality thing. That is a quality to turn up every game, irregardless of opposition, whether it's the fun and nice games where you can test yourself against the best of the best, um, uh, or you, you have to battle with you know the cannon fodder of the league. Um, we we started slow. If you if you go back to the Spurs games, we were electric from the get go. Um, we we were on them like flies, and, and, and you know the wolf pack thing we we talked about earlier. Um, that was there. None of that against Leicester. We started slow. We started ponderous. Uh, we really gave them the idea that they could play the game. The second Vardy goes in with that tackle at the early. Uh, after what was it 30 seconds the next one should have been us um, really putting the herd on Vardy and saying fuck you not today you're not having this 
you know they would come out guns blazing um, after the Ranieri sacking and three, four days of constantly criticising them. These lads had something to prove. But we looked lethargic. We had 14 yeah. days rest and we looked lethargic. We looked heavy-legged. So something went wrong either with the training, that there was too much training, the guys legs were too heavy but we didn't look that we are buzzing we didn't look hungry we didn't look energetic we looked like we just needed to show up and show our class and we'd win because Leicester will fall apart uh, I, I, I've got to I've got to I've got to say you've got to look at the blame all round you can't just blame the players you've got to blame the management uh, oh, no, with this definitely, as well definitely um, I've said before um I don't want to see Lucas uh, uh, in a Liverpool shirt on the pitch ever again. Um, <laughs> he did that. And then he did that against Spurs, which was obviously not very good for <laughs> when making my point. Yeah, but he was, up against, um, he was up against Kane. Kane hasn't got that electric speed of Vardy. So I no. don't blame Lucas per se. I blame Klopp for putting Lucas in that position. Yeah, but at the same time, Lucas has the blame because he makes the decisions. He decides when to run, when not to run, um, when to turn over your left, when to turn over your right, and he did that wrong time and time again. So, yeah, um, while I, while you're absolutely right, Klopp uh, uh, shouldn't have put him in, but should have went for Ida Moreno, for Milner, uh, Emre Can at centre-back, which he did very well in the, in the second half. Um, uh, or Joe Gomez, for all I care. Um, mm. Don't think he, anybody he, at this stage. Yeah, I, I don't think he would have trusted. Uh, you know, it would have it would not have helped um, Joe Gomez um, being picked. That apart. pressure situation. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't think it was a game. If, for if Fardy Chris- scores two, if Fardy scores two against Gomez, you know, what's that doing to to that young lad? While he's building up his confidence after two years of uh, of injury crisis, so I can understand him not playing Gomez, um, but he should have done something else. You know, Clavin, for all I care, again uh, in Masterson, you, you've taken him on, and you said, okay, lad, do what you do best, have fun, enjoy. So what if they score four? Just go ahead. Look, but it was the whole team. It was the Christian. What do you think from your perspective? I think they are, I mean, I'm still frozen and I'm still suffering from that defeat last Monday, I have to say. And I'm still trying to to, to make my mind about that, make up my mind. But um, I think several factors come together. First of all, um, Klopp, it, it took him several years to build up a spine of players who know exactly how to work together, who know what they can achieve in every single game, not just against the big teams, but also against the lesser ones who sit deep and move the ball forward. And uh, this is still a a process of of finding themselves and finding the right team. And especially in this situation in the PL, combined with two cup competitions, um, where they have to play so many games in in such short uh, periods of time, he has to rotate much, much more than he had to at Dortmund. That is, what? One, but it's just one factor. Um, I, I have to say, I was shocked when I saw Lucas in the defense in the, in the <laughs> yeah, when the when the when the when the teams came up. Um, but I, I have to, I have to admit, I'm not the coach, 
and it's not just Klopp making those decisions. He is very closely um, like, yeah. in, in conversations with uh, um, with Bubac, who is his tactical brain, as you named him a couple of years ago. And so it's their decision of the of the team, and they have to have some ideas about why to play Lucas there and nobody else. I mean, it's not just baffling to us. Um, but he doesn't he doesn't address it. I mean, you got to you got to uh, Christian. I just don't understand. Let's face it, Klopp's not an idiot, nor is Buvak. They look at Vardy, blistering pace, quick off the mark. Who can we put up against him? Who's the slowest player? Lucas, perfect. Put him there. I, I just don't understand the rationale. And nobody, I, I, I don't think anybody asked that question. I would love to somebody to ask that question uh, of Klopp. Yeah, the next, the next factor comes into, in, into the game, um, which is you have probably all seen that we were almost always second on the ball. Yeah, the whole yeah. team, actually. Lost. In fact, we lost all, all the one-on-ones, in fact, and um, there was such, a, such an amount of sloppiness and laziness. Uh, I couldn't explain to myself. I was becoming ext- extremely angry in front of the screen, seeing that, that we were not fighting for the balls. And when you don't press in midfield, mm. then the opponent team, of course, has... Uh, mid, their midfielders have the time right. to play the final pass into Vardy, and then he becomes extremely dangerous. And I think uh, Klopp and Bubac's idea was to contain their attacks much earlier mm-hmm. with a good pressing game, which did not happen at all. It wasn't. It wasn't happening. We gave them a sort of space, yeah, to counter, which was totally totally needless. Can I just? Do you think a, they're overtrained? Do you think they're overtrained? Mm. Do you think Maybe yes. Were, legs were heavy. They did yes. too much uh, intensity work, and they just didn't have it. They didn't have it on the night. The 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 the, the tank was half empty. Yes, yes. I think that might be a good explanation, Keith, because I have no other. I have no other explanation for that performance. Okay, I'm just going to have a slight segue at the moment and introduce a guest that has just joined us on the show. Uh, please say hi to Mental and Bookmarked. Hello, are you there? Hello, how do you mean? M and B. Finally. Mental, are you there? <laughs> Hello. Nice no, playing hard to get now. Mental. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, hold on. Okay, he's not okay. he's on the call though. Okay, I think he'll I'll try and sort it out in the background. Okay, let me just ask this question. Okay, so several points have been raised. So um, are these players not as good as we thought they were? Joe, Joe, you, 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 sorry, Eric, carry on. Uh, you know, the, the sum of all parts, and, and Klopp made him into something very, very good, and a very high sum, um, but if you take out one, two, um, one or two of those, um, you know, uh, it, it kind of falls apart, and um, so the players are good, Um uh, yeah, <laughs> not, not. You can't. You can't be Sorry, may I? May I interfere because I have to add one further point, which should, I should have been at earlier. Um, um, you know, I'm a German, and I. Know that, that fact escaped us. Really? <laughs> no, we we wouldn't have guessed. But go ahead. No, no. Just pretend. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I know from his 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 years at Dortmund. And he, I can assure you, he, in German, using his native language, he's absolutely fucking brilliant. He has an, a, a fantastic rhetoric level of using this language. 
and um, that is, I think, essential also for motivating the players. And this, this would, if he could, if he could establish his English, at least half as good as his German skills, he would be, I think, much more effective in motivating every single player for each game, and it could compensate a lot for 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 what we actually see. And I think this is a big, big issue with Klopp. I mean, from my personal point of view, his English is very rudimentary. And he's so often looking for words and using repeatedly the same expressions and with situations and moments and it is as it is and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this is really scratching at the surface. And he was so fucking good in German using my, my native language. It was just astonishing. And I think this is a serious, serious um, lack of motivational skills, a potential that could still be established, but it takes a lot more skills and he has to develop that. Christian, are you saying then that perhaps can... his, his, sorry, Keith, uh, are you saying mm-hmm. then his, his um, rudimentary um, uh, hold on the language um, has some impact in terms of translating his vision to the players uh, and that then therefore is um, you know, not leading to the required output with regards to the vision that he wants for them, the goal that he wants for them. Are you, are you trying to intimate that or, or not? I, I mean, I'm a salesman. And what, what, I need, what I need to manipulate, to motivate people to buy my products is to, is to, to reach them at their level. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And to get on with them very quickly and, and address them in, the, in their own language and in their own environment and world okay. and their own feelings and, and to express this in a... In a, in a yeah. Not not very good English way, but I think okay. you you understand yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And and Klopp has to sell his ideas, individual ideas in that very very situation for every single game to every single player and every each of those players is different. And in German, he was able with a mainly German squad mm-hmm. in the early days. He was able to to individually address every single player and and to as as I would say in German to heat them up, yeah, to warm them up for the game to a degree where they were aggressively fighting for each other and aggressively yeah, uh, um, tackling and, and, and going after each single opponent. And this is absolutely not happening here. Now, Christian, Christian I, I, I take on board what you're saying, but I don't necessarily agree with you. How can he motivate them to, to, to go after the Arsenals, the Man Uniteds, the Chelsea's, the Spurs, and get them fired up and going? What I think, I, I honestly think they've miscalculated. We went through the slump in January simply from the injuries and the congested fixture list over December and not having a big enough cl- uh, jo- uh, squad to cope with the high pressing over that busy, hectic Christmas period. Before that, we took the smaller teams apart, apart from Burnley. We had that blip against Burnley. It seemed he had learned from it, and we started to cope with the lesser teams, the so-called lesser teams, and we went on that great roll until the, the turn of the year. Mm-hmm. We had that mm-hmm. blimp in January, and I think that was due to key players being injured and the, the fatigue from the high-intensity games and the small squad we had. That's caused yes. the pr- uh, problem. Yes. Keith, two, 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 two points to answer. No, just let, uh, can I just let me finish? Let me just finish. Okay, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were, so, so you were just, not finished. Just let me finish. Yeah. Then we had that break and we played Spurs and we were back on track. 
there's something else behind the scenes that happened with Leicester that that is not explained properly. With and I'm going to be very interested to see how we play against Arsenal. I expect us to 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 beat Arsenal and to beat Arsenal comfortably on the weekend. Uh, the team will be stung. No, no, I, I, I said we'd beat Spurs, and I said I'm not so sure about beating Leicester. Those was, that was my prediction the last time. But I honestly think something happened on the, uh, that we overdid it on that training camp, in that 14-day break, that we were not ready for, for, for the Leicester game. Okay, let's, uh, let's try this again. Um, yes. Please welcome Mental and Bookmarked. Are you there? Hello. Hey. Hey. Hello. Okay. Hey. Yeah, very very soft. Uh, maybe could you uh, increase the the volume on your mic? You just do that. Okay, Christian, you were just going to say something. You're going to respond. Yeah. Yeah. Two thi- two things to reply to Keith. First of all, uh, I think every every single uh, football player knows when it goes against a big team. Mm-hmm. We can assume that he is more motivated. He's more aware of of the meaning of the importance of the game. That's the first point. And, and Christian, to all due respect, yeah. if they didn't realize the importance of the Leicester game, they should go and do knitting. Uh, we, you know, we were outside the top four. We were outside the top four. We were in touch to get that second place. And don't tell me the players didn't realize how important three points against Leicester is in the run into the season. They don't need motivation. They're professionals. They're getting paid a shitload of money. Uh, and, they, they, and, and they know how passionate the fans and the support is. Don't tell me they didn't know how important it was because I don't buy that. I really don't. Okay, hold on, Keith. Let me just pause this for one sec. Okay, so Mendel, I'm uh, thanks for for joining into the chat uh, at, at, at such a last minute. Um, I think you probably just came through the door from work. Um, so I'm just going to lay on the question what we've been talking about. We're only still on the first point, but there's an interesting uh, uh, sharing of views, or, or alternatively, you can call it a rant. Okay, so do you think our players have the bottle to compete at the very top of the league? Um, well, it depends what you mean by competing at the top of the league. We've already shown that we can compete at the top. But um, to compete for the league, it's a squad game. right? It's not a team game, it's a squad game. And um, um, our squad, while we have bodies, uh, it, the squad hasn't stepped up. So there are three strikers, Origi in storage, there's Emre Chan. There's Shea Ojo. All of those guys made a really good contribution last year mm-hmm. to our game. Um, they played really important roles. Lots of goals, lots of good work in the midfield. You know, uh, Shea Ojo looked really good. Yeah. Um, you know, but none of them have stepped up this this season for one reason or another. Um, I think some of them are coping, uh, having difficulty with the, the increased tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are just uh, erratic. So, uh, so that's the problem with the league. It's a squad game, um, and you, that's what you have to fix. I think he's been really unfortunate, and he's got nothing out of both squad players. So one of the questions that I asked um, before, before we, we jo- uh, you joined in is, uh, are, the, are these players not as good as we thought they were? Ooh, um, <laughs> who we're talking about. <laughs> okay, who, who, okay who, who, in your opinion, do you think is, you know, shouldn't be wearing the, the red shirt or you think you know really 
no, it's not going to be for us to to progress. These guys, these guys can't be playing for us. Who do you who do you think? Well, we've got a core of nine in our team, eight or nine. Uh, depends if you want to include James Milner. Um, and that's and 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 they're obvious. You know, the the, the front three. The, there's a preferred midfield three, and you can pick a couple of players out of the back line. Okay. Um, and you can even you can even add in Mignolet. I, you know, he's, I think he's had a very good season, bar two two big mistakes. Yeah. Um, but uh, that is too small as a core mm-hmm. um, for the team. You know, if you compare, uh, you know, if, if you take nine, say, core players, yeah. Chelsea have 13, right? All of their starting 11 are a core for them. And they have, uh, you know, Pedro or William, depending on which one you want to pick, and Fabregas to bring on at the very least. Yeah. Right? So they have, a, they have the right sort of size core for their squad, plus the extras. Okay. Um, to go for a non-European title challenge. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we don't. We have nine at the most, yeah. nine core players at the most. Um, so when we get a couple of injuries, like at the moment, Lovren and Henderson, and I, I'm not convinced Henderson would have made much difference okay. first yesterday, but uh, uh, on Monday. But um, it, that's not, you know, you lose a couple of those players and we don't have, we don't have, we're not getting anything out of the, the, the squad players. Yeah to be able to compensate for it. Yeah. Um, so we just, it's not about whether the players being good enough, it's just we just don't have enough players uh, that can perform. Because if, if you think about the three forwards, Ings, Zarigi and Sturridge, mm-hmm. that should be enough to reformulate your front line, for example. True. But we can't, we don't really get very much out of them. M&B, can I ask you a question here? Yeah. Um, Origi was banging in the goals at the beginning of the season. And he, was, he seems to be on form. Do you think by benching him and not playing him, Klopp played him actually out of form? Because it, obviously his prefer, prefer, preference is for Firmino up front uh, by himself, uh, with uh, obviously Mane on the one side and continue on the other side. But I thought Origi looked in fine form, and, and was, I think he scored like five in five games or something like that. I'm not quite sure. Eric will know all the stats. But all of a sudden, five or six, he didn't... Yeah. If I, all of a sudden, he didn't get game time and lost that sharpness. I think, is there, is there a problem here, in your opinion, is that Klopp is not rotating and giving enough game time to the squad players to keep them uh, 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 sort of match fit? Uh, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely an argument to be had there because the, um, there's definitely a, a, um, something that yeah, you have to say is true. Um, I think we've We've rotated. We're one of the lowest rotation sides, and we're one of the highest injury uh, sides. Although you have to say our injuries have mainly been impact injuries rather than muscular. Um, so there isn't isn't quite the correlation there with with the injury side of things. But uh, if you remember, Origi he didn't start off the season particularly well, um, and Klopp brought him on at, at some point through the autumn, and he said, "Oh, it's a good thing he's he's found his rhythm again." You know, he didn't have his rhythm before, and he's found it again. So he, he wasn't quite ready. You know, he was off form anyway um, at the beginning of the season. Then he came in, did a bit. Then he came in again, I think, and scored some goals for us. And then he went off form again. But I don't know if it's that easy to explain with Origi. I, my, my theory, and I don't have anything to back it up, is that we've had a, a much higher tempo game to our game this season. And I think some of the players are struggling to deal with that. I think, um, but uh, how 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 is that possible now? I mean, this 
we're in lesser number of we're only in the in the league we're only in the league they've taken a break um ugh. you know i was asking this question a couple of days ago um and i was asking how many games do this do this team need to play i mean is it too many is it too few what no, i is, think it's a, i think it's going back to your original question about are they good enough uh, some players are going to struggle to deal with the tempo, the high tempo. You know, not everyone's going to be able to deal with it. And it looks like, you know, Origi and Sturridge struggle to play at that tempo. I mean, Sturridge just doesn't sprint anymore, does he? Yeah. Um, so he Sturridge didn't start, high. though. Sturridge didn't start the last yeah. game. So. If Sturridge, Sturridge has played 13 games the whole season, it's not that. He's just, he's, he's just not, his body's just not capable of playing Premier League football at this stage. Um, I'll be very surprised if he's here next year. Yeah, um, I, I think trying to play at a high tempo, you know, it is a very skillful game playing at a high tempo, and I think some of them are struggling with it. I mean, you take Emre Jan, I mean, he wasn't dreadful the other night, but um, if you think about, uh, um, you know, the, the, the desire to move the ball very quickly through midfield, mm-hmm. you, know, that's n- you know, he doesn't play that game really. He, he likes to stay on the ball and, and then move with it. You know, he doesn't just pass it on immediately. So it's a different kind of game, and we're trying to speed up the game. And he doesn't do that, so it's a, it's a, it's a question of whether he fits the, the the game that club wants to play. Uh, Keith, you mentioned position from at centre back. Actually, I thought he was quite good when he played at the centre back there. Keith, he I think you were you. I mean, mm. in your in your discourse earlier, you said something about um, attributing some of the blame to 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 Klopp with, with regards to his choice of personnel uh, and tactics. Um, it's 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 adding up, isn't it? It's ad- that that stack is adding up in terms of um, blame that needs to be, or perhaps uh, he he needs to take some of that blame. Um, Coming back again, I to think it's a learning curve. I think it's a big. I think you know. You don't forget, he only came in for half a season last year, and so he hasn't had a full season in the prem to gauge the stamina levels, the intensity levels, the physical toll levels that a whole premiership season is going to take on the squad. And I think he's actually genuinely surprised at the physicality. Uh, over an entire season, uh, quick and fast, the, the games come over that Christmas period, um, and, I, and, and I think he's caught, he was caught short, and he he tried to play in the Dortmund mould, trying to keep continuity uh, with the team, and I think that's caught him short in terms of not rotating. You remember when we were flying under Rafa? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would always draw a couple of games here and there because he rotated certain players. But at the end of the season, we had the freshest squad. Mm-hmm. We always seemed to go on a great run towards the end of the season because he, he managed the players' physicality and fitness and resting so well throughout the season that we, we seemed to be very strong. And I think Klopp needs to start learning that a little bit better in terms of the demands of the Prem. Eric, what do you what, what do you what do you say to this? I mean, um, you've got Antonio Conte, who's had has even lesser experience coming into the league. Yes, you could argue that he's got a, a team full of uh, champions or, 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 or players who've done been there, done that. Okay, but still, he's coming in from a fresh um, with a fresh challenge. Uh, he struggled at, at, a bit at first, and then he quickly realized what was wrong. Fixed it in terms of uh, you know change in formation and 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 focusing on some uh, key elements uh, in in the training and and Chelsea boom they're just they're just, they're just flying. 
So what do you think? Do you think how, how long can we hold this reason that oh okay it's a learning curve curve for Klopp and he's still maybe taken aback with regards to uh, how intense this league is and uh, how much he has to put his hands up and say you know really I he's he's made a mistake he's he's made a couple of uh, you know errors in his judgment with regards to certain uh, things. Um. Well, you're not wrong, would be my first answer. Um, you know, the thing is, um, he has to learn. And if you compare him to uh, to Conte, I, I don't think that's really fair because um, um, Conte comes from a league where they say um, uh, it doesn't matter who slays the dragon, it, it matters who goes home uh, or who rescued the princess. Um, you know... <laughs> Style doesn't matter to them. It really doesn't. Um, it doesn't matter how you win. Um, and, and Klopp is a manager who thinks that you win via playing very, very well. Um, and and Conte is, is very, very fine with, with saying, OK, I'll keep five lads at the back. Mm-hmm. I'll, I, I will park two in front of them. Um, and everything is fine. We can all live with that. That is very, very fine. Um, and, and and rely on the two, three players up front. Not saying that, that, that there's a problem with that. Um, I'm fine. But, um, you know, we like to think um, that we, we do things in a, in, a, in a bit of a better way. Um, so okay. I think that's, that's, that's largely uh, a part of the issue. Okay, so let's draw a line um, under this topic. Uh, and in the next segment, uh, Eric will talk a little bit, give a little preview uh, of an uh, interview that he did with uh, Taiwo. And uh, stay tuned. Is it because you know my name? We're back, um, Eric. You had a very interesting week. Um, could you tell us a, a little bit, little bit about that interview that you had with Taiwo, and uh, maybe just a preview, not not the whole thing, because we want to. No, no, no. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it'll be a teaser. Um, no, it, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, as soon as Pedro Chirivella came to to Holland, um, I thought, well, okay, now we've got two lads. Uh, maybe it's nice to uh, to actually have. Uh, a talk with them, um, see how they how they like Holland, uh, uh, see how they do on loan, um, get some some more insight on, um, you know who who the players are, um, what they like, what they don't like, stuff like that, and um, uh, yeah, we had a very good talk. We went, uh, I went there with uh, with a mate of mine who's uh, who writes for Olsen, uh, which is. Uh, uh, the Dutch brand uh, of the official Liverpool uh, fan club, um, 
and um, well, uh, he plays for uh, NSA, uh, which is a, a, a pretty old club. Um, they've got spells where they do really well. They've got spells where they don't. Um, uh, yeah, we were met brilliantly. We were uh, they really took after us, and 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 you know they're really really nice. Um, so, um, yeah, we had a great day and, um, we met a very, very interesting fella. Um, uh, yeah, he, he is a good kid. He's a special kid. Um, but he really is, um, still a kid. You, you can see that in, in, in the way he talks. Um, um, the press officer told me after the interview that this was his, his very, very first interview. So, well, uh, mine too. So, wow. so that one was. Um, yeah, he, he never really had one. Um, you know, Dutch, Dutch press um, hasn't been interested in him because he hasn't scored, you know, 10 goals in, 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 in the first half of the season. Uh, he's been a bit underwhelming in terms of the performance for the first team. Um, he's been doing really, really well in in, in, um, uh, in there on the 23s. So, um, yeah, very interesting. But... Um, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on the interview now. Uh, I'll have to 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 get it checked uh, by their press officer, and um, and in the meantime, we're trying to get a, a an interview with uh, Pedro Chirivella as well. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, really nice. Um, it was really cool, you know, walking into a stadium and just uh, just sit down with a player who's wearing number nine of a professional football club. <laughs> um, yeah, felt really cool for us as well. Um, what struck us most, and which is very interesting, um, is um, how how Liverpool treats the um, the loan players. There's a uh, there's a guy who's called Julian Ward. Uh, he's been with the club for for quite a while now. Um, but he's mostly known, I think, to uh, uh, f- by, uh, with the crowd uh, if they play football manager because he does uh, some of the scouting updates. And now you see his name. Um, but he is the official. Um, hold on, let me let me get that right. Um, <laughs> on LinkedIn, he says he's the. Where is that? Where is it? I should prepare this better. Um, uh, Julian is the loan pathways and football partnership manager at Liverpool Football Club. Wow. Um, yeah (laughs) that's a lot of words Um, but basically what he does is he travels around the globe or uh, through Europe um, visiting clubs talking to them um, you know watching how they might develop um, uh, a young player of a certain um, of a certain caliber um, certain personality um they obviously know um, uh, Jurgen Klopp. Obviously knows the current manager of uh, of NSA, which is Pe- uh, Petri Ibala, who's uh, half German, half Dutch, mm-hmm. and he's worked at uh, at Dortmund for two years. Um, well, while Klopp was mm-hmm. there, he's worked there three years, uh, two with Klopp. Um, uh, so yeah, it was really interesting, and and basically it made us very proud to find out that. Um, the press officer told us that 80% of the clubs that loan our players have no interest in how they do. And no. we have someone especially assigned to look after them. Um, so 
you know, and when you talk about the values and of a club, um, that really struck, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> really struck us. You know, mm. was um, yeah, was, uh, was 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 very very nice and, and, and made us all the more proud of our club. Um, the way they deal with these things, you know, that's what you want to hear. Yeah, we're doing something different to other clubs. So, um, and we we need to to get what Liverpool does well is is doing all those things. Yeah. What they do very very poorly is talk about that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Why hasn't LFC TV ever spoken to Julian Ward? As far as I know, I, I, I haven't heard him. And he's he's vital if you want to bring in the top lads, the top talent who know they will have to. Um, they know they will have to go on a loan somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how how great is it that the club has a guy that says, you know, I will come and visit you um, if and and if you need to be, uh, if I need to be like a form of a, of, a, of a father figure, I'll, I'll do that. If I need to be just a friend who checks up on you, uh, if I need to be a football manager telling you what you do well, what you need to improve on, mm-hmm. I will do that. Um, you know, that is absolutely brilliant as a club um yes. so um um so yeah we uh we went in not knowing what to expect and in the end we met a very special kid we met a very special manager Pedro Ibala is a very very interesting uh figure uh we uh, we got to talk to him for about five minutes uh, he had a meeting in the same room and um when we were basically uh, uh wrapping it up with Taiwo I saw him uh, cleaning the table, you know, bringing the cups of coffee to uh, to the bar. So I thought, well, <laughs> let me tackle him and then uh, see if he got five <laughs> minutes for us. And he did. So uh, it was it was very very nice and it was all very relaxed. Um, so felt very very welcome. Um, and um, we had a great interview. And it's 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 a very special kit. So um, fantastic. Um, even if it doesn't work out for him for the, uh, at Liverpool. Yeah. Um, you really hope this lad is going to make it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really glad to hear this, mate. Um, I think uh, personally, Great. yeah, I'm looking forward to to to, to reading this, and um, hopefully, hopefully soon. Uh, hopefully, they give the the approval, and uh, it'll be on the site in the in a week or so. Hopefully, yeah. They they, they say it's seven days before the answer. Um, okay. So, okay. Uh, so soon then. So yeah, looking forward yeah. to that. Fantastic. Well done, uh, and more of that to come. Uh, in the, in the near future. These are the 10 things that you need to know about new Liverpool CEO Peter Moore. Born in Liverpool on the 1st of January 1955, he's 61 years old. He holds a bachelor's degree from Keele University in the UK and a master's degree from the California State University. He began his career at French football boot company Patrick which were crap. He then moved to Reebok, slightly better, where he sealed a kit there with Liverpool that lasted for 10 years, from 1996 to 2006, so he's already put some money into our arse pockets. He has been hugely successful in many gaming companies, including Sega, Microsoft, and most recently EA Sports. It's in the game. Moore has a background in football. He supported Liverpool since the age of four. He actually played football himself as a right-back. And when he first headed to the US, he became a football coach. 
Peter Moore was parodied in an episode of South Park where they criticised the NCAA's treatment of their athletes. He was even able to find humour as he referenced it in a Microsoft E3 keynote speech in 2011. I'd like to leave you with that good old EA Sports saying, get it... Nah, I can't do that. In his words, he says, in me... You're not getting a pouring through Excel spreadsheet type of guy. You're getting the face of the business. And he also said, I'm a scouser by birth and football is my passion. I live and die Liverpool. Well, that's good. I like that, to be perfectly honest. I really like that. CEO of EA Sports, Andrew Wilson, just said of more, Peter will leave an incredible legacy. He has driven EA's rapid expansion into competitive gaming. He has been a statesman and advocate for our industry. Moore won't take part in negotiating transfers. That role will be taken up by Michael Edwards. His job, Peter's job, will be more business-based. And finally, Moore was announced as the new CEO of Liverpool Football Club on February the 27th, 2017, and will take up his new role in June. Welcome to Liverpool, Peter Moore. Okay, so um, let's uh, talk about some of the news that's come up. Uh, well, time, timing is everything, isn't it? I mean... Um, and the timing has sucked, really. So immediately after the in the in the aftermath uh, of the loss against Leicester, the first news that came out is that uh, Liverpool have a new CEO, uh, Peter Moore. Okay, and then uh, just a, a two days later or a day later, we find out that uh, that another trip to uh, uh, to Tenerife this time. As planned uh, for the for the end of March, uh, and then following that, um, the release of the uh, profit, uh, the, the, the 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 revenues and the and the and the losses that uh, for the 2015-2016 season, those figures were also announced, and uh, it's <laughs> wow. Uh, and people with a clear agenda against the team, against the club, against FSG in particular, um, has just gone up in arms and uh yeah without <laughs> any people against fsg wow, wow. yeah I know. <laughs> now let's 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 that look at some exist. of these things um let's look at some of these things here uh okay let's first and foremost let's look at the, Throw me the money <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's look at the financial results first Splash the cash right so basically where's the flanagan loan money where's the flanagan <laughs> loan money so basically, the club have announced record revenue streams, but um, also just shy of twenty million pound loss during the fifteen sixteen uh, season. Uh, and as I explained in the LFC podcasting couch uh, uh, pod, okay, um, the, these results, these this news is basically for public and uh, media consumption. They're not, you know, they're not the, the actual detailed uh, uh, financial statements have not been released yet. Okay, so um, Companies House will is, is still yet to release them. I think, as far as I know, and I think they have another about a week or so. So I'm looking forward to 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 actually downloading and studying those statements uh, when they come out. So, but what we've been told so far is really the 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 top line figures. Okay, um, now of course the pre-tax loss of uh, twenty million pounds is um, I- I compared to the previous year. Uh, in the fifth, in the fourteen fifteen season, where we had a pre-tax profit of sixty million, okay. Now this time around, of course, it's um, it's been explained that um, some of it, well, I think most of it has has got to do with um, 
Brendan Rogers and the team being let go uh, and, and some of the compensation packages um, that have been agreed with him. Uh, so that's partly explained some of that. Okay, um, I'm not sure whether the in- there's any increase in operating expenditure because of the main stand. Um, the club seemed to intimate that uh, stuff related to information with re- regards to the main stand does not feature in the results. Um, but we have to see the actual line items to determine uh, what 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 has been included and what hasn't been included, and also you know what they wrote in the footnote. So uh, you know, obviously, FSG are not <laughs> going to are not going to divulge uh, everything. You know, they're just going to divulge the the, the bare minimum as it gets them by. Um, so a tax scam. It's a tax scam. <laughs> it's a tax scam. Hey, you would know everything about that, would you, Keith? <laughs> yeah, we got the extra. They, 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 they're making they're making a loss, so there's no tax. But it's just crazy how, um, I guess, maybe the, some parts of the fan base that clearly have an agenda against FSG who don't really understand any of this. Um, and they just see this, this top line numbers and, and they don't understand what it means and FSG out again. It's just an excuse. You know? uh, Mental, you had some strong points that you, you added um, on, on the, in the comment section. Maybe you want to take us a little bit through that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can add too much to uh, what you put down because, um, like you say, we haven't got anything but that basic figure of that we lost money again. Yeah. Um, but certainly, certainly, yeah, the you know, there's a lot of people who don't like FSG, um, and, and it's very you know, the, the arguments are not very articulate. They're not very well presented. They just moan. There's a lot of moaning and whining yep. that we don't have a sugar daddy, really. Yeah. Um, that's what it seems to be, um, and it, it's it's. Yeah, it's amazing. You you do have to sort of stop and say, well, why do you have a right to have a sugar daddy, for example? You know, why do you feel the sense of entitlement that someone should be there showering your club with money, you know, so that you can wave your little plastic flag around and uh, and celebrate and triumph? You know, it's, it, it is a little bit. Um, it, it, it it it's a bit distasteful the way the complaints are being put. I think it's certainly legitimate questions to ask. Mm-hmm. It's just there's very very few people out there on the on the internet. That are capable of asking the questions in any kind of coherent manner, um, and and it, and it has to be said that uh, you know FSG aren't sugar daddies, and it has to be said that well there are lots of sugar daddies who don't shower their clubs with money. Yeah. You know, Stan Franke is one of them, yeah. and um, you know there's, there's plenty of examples of very rich people taking over football clubs, but um, they don't Dick run. Them Saint Gillette springs to mind. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Yeah, very close to home. And uh, but look at the Black, Blackburn's owners. I mean, could their owners be any wealthier? Yep. Um, Vankies, um, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, there's, and, and they're not the only ones. There's, there's plenty of clubs who have been taken over by people with money. Yeah. In uh, Russia as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we, the Italians. Anchi. Anchi. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. They pulled the money on that club as well. Yeah. Um, Malaga, I think, when Pellegrini was there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Marseille just got into trouble recently, didn't they, when they sold Payet? Yeah. Um, so so I'm not quite sure the story was there. But there's plenty of wealthy people who don't shower their clubs with money the way an Abramovich or a Sheikh Mansour do. Um, so, you know, you've got to be careful what you wish for. Um, you know, and, and, and if our club is indeed worth, say, a billion pounds, yeah. and it was sold yeah. to, you know, everyone's saying a Chinese consortium, yeah. you know, who's to say that they will, you know, uh, firstly, I think it's actually very unlikely that someone's going to turn around and throw a billion pounds at a football club in any, in any case. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if they did, you know, who's to say what it would be set up like? You know, 
um, how would that be and where would the money come from? You know, the Blazers haven't exactly showered United with money. They just, United happened to make an enormous amount of income, yeah. which is where their money comes from. But at the same time, they loaded a huge amount of debt. They did. Yeah. They did. Now, and, that, and you have to say that a lot of that debt is still there. Yeah. But their interest payments aren't huge because they've floated on the stock exchange. Yeah. Uh, their um, their debt costs are related to the share price, and the share price is related to the revenues. Yeah, and the revenues are very high. Exactly. So their interest rate interest costs are relatively low. I think it costs them twenty million pounds a year, uh, of the order of that amount to service their their <coughs> debts, um, which is uh, which is you know peanuts for them. You know, right. Given that they bring in what five hundred million, uh, sorry four hundred million a year, four hundred plus million a year pounds. Yeah. Uh, so, it's amazing how many people have such bad taste to support that club. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of scratch your head as to how people, how people follow them and, and sort of feel passionately for them. But there you go. It's a strange world. Well, you know, there are a couple of pe- people with bad taste that support our club as well. And um, they are out in full force. <laughs> uh, anyone else has anything, anything else to add to this um, financial result? I think... I actually like FSG. I know I've been a big supporter and I've written about it and everything like that. I want our club to be run properly. I want to, I want to see the club run from a, a sustainability point of view. I don't particularly want to go out and, and buy a title. Uh, I think we're in a position that uh, Klopp can actually go out and buy who he wants to. He's not that type of character who will buy a £90 million uh, player. Uh, he will spend 30, 40, maybe even 50 million on a player, who knows. But he has shown that he will bring in the right player that he feels. And I think we are strong financially to be able to do that now. Um, I think the club is run sensibly. It's on business principles. And, 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 and once we get this right with Klopp and that, I think we'll see long-term uh, sustainability from on the field and off the field. Mm. Yeah, what, yeah. what we can take also from this, these figures, sorry. What we can also take from these basic figures, just this 19.8 million pound loss, am I correct? Yeah. Um, is that uh, some allegations that um, FSG are just sucking money out of the club is false. <laughs> it's wrong. Yeah, mm. just this, these statements which we repeatedly have to face in, in uh, certain, certain magazines or blogs yeah, are just wrong, plainly wrong. Mm-hmm. We don't know the details, of course, Joe. That's is something that is left to, uh, yeah, to be looked at, at, at uh, on another day. But um, just this plain statement, if it's if it's if it's right, and we have to assume this is correct, then we, we can say that they're not sucking the money out of the club. I think it's all started from you know it right from the start. People thought that you know you're all thinking that FSG is the savior of Liverpool Football Club, um, but really. You know, they saw an asset on the cheap, um, and they felt, okay, yeah, that's a that's a good investment, and uh, let's see what kind of returns we can get they from it. They got uh, it for a song. They got it for a song. I'm glad they screwed fact, yeah. Hicks and Gillette. I'm glad glad they screwed Hicks and Gillette. I think they lost about a hundred mil. Uh, on this deal that the FSG saw, saw it, did a deal with uh, Royal Bank of Scotland and they got it on the cheap and they built it up there and now they're sitting 
I think they paid 250 or 350. I'm not quite sure, but it's somewhere in that region, and it's worth a billion. So but, they yeah. know what they're doing. But it's all started from that, and 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 from this point, you know, um, the FSG out uh, brigade or campaigners, they said, you know, then everything is negative. Every single news is negative and interpreted interpreted in a in a negative light. Um, but on on the flip side. Um, you see these guys, uh, they're, they're proper businessmen, you know, they're corporate people and they're interested in building uh, a sustainable uh, business with good governance and proper fundamentals, okay? Um, the first thing they want to do is, is stop, stop the bleeding and, and restructure some of the aspects with regards to the commercial operations and, and then, and then in, as well as the football operations. So at the same time, you've got these guys, he, they started out, making some mistakes, okay, it is a new sport for them, uh, and then they got maybe some bad advice um, from the outset from certain groups of people and, and were maybe a bit too naive and a bit too trusting, and then they've, they've made some mistakes and they've learned from them as well, and then they, they make some new new mistakes and then they, they learn from them as well, but this is also FSG who then made the decision to appoint Klopp, okay, the, we have a new main stand, Okay, and they're supporting the vision with the move to Kirkby as well from Melwood, and now we have a really, really solid CEO appointment as well. So it just doesn't <coughs> jive this this thing that you know FSG are this there as asset strippers. I mean, there are far worse asset strippers out there. But let, let's talk about um, Peter Moore. Um, Eric, you had some views on uh, Peter, and and you thought he you think he's a he's a great addition to the club. I, I absolutely do. Um, I think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, he's he's uh, he's known in the game industry as, as somebody who who um, uh, who gets things done. Um, and always been uh, involved in, in in quite the um, uh, quite the projects, quite the big name things. Um, for instance, he did the Dreamcast, which is, um, I, I know, not always as revered um, as it is, but uh, it, it, it really is a very, very big product, which was uh, very successful at launch, mm-hmm. and there's been some, some technical issues with that. Um, he also dealt with the, um, the Xbox ring of that, but, um, you know, um, when you try something new, um, you get there, you, you got that. Um, he's, he's, he's been a visionary. He started the online gaming, which is um, which is now earning different uh, uh, other uh, big studios earning millions and millions of dollars. Uh, basically, every game these days comes out with a um, uh, with an online version. So, um, uh, so are you saying That's that basically? Absolute. I mean, the only difference between him and Ian Air. I mean, they are both um, uh, Liverpool fans. I mean, uh, Peter wears <coughs> wears his LFC badge on his on his sleeve. Um, you know, he's he's a lifelong red, and he's a hardcore red as well. Um, but are we saying that really the only difference between him and Ian Air is uh, the strength, the strength and depth of uh, their CVs? What what do you think he can bring to this? Uh, he will bring unity. Um, you know, we've got the London office, um, we've got the um, the corporate office in um, in Chapel Street. Mm-hmm. We got Enfield. We got Kirby. We've got um, you know all those um, 
all those different locations and and and, um, and that really uh, I I'm, I'm adamant he will bring that together whether that's going to be um, whether he will decide that Chapel Street will will cease to exist and will be brought into the Kirby situation uh, I, I don't know that's that's I guess too soon to tell but um, uh, now I've just posted yeah, a, I, will bring you, I have a question sorry I have a question Eric uh, I, I've already read that that he's Merseyside born but you say he's a lifelong red yeah he is um, yes, I think, yes. I think, he was I think born he in Liverpool. Himself, I think he mentioned Imagine. himself that um, uh, when he was uh, four or something, he was already on. Uh, yeah. Um, on on. Uh, uh, I don't think it was the cup, but uh, he was already at Anfield. I think his first game was 1959 or something. So yeah, he was born in he was born in '55. Yeah, he was so, born in '55. So, yeah. First game in, in Liverpool. So. Yeah, that's somewhere around there. Yeah. The point I would like to make psychologically: uh, imagine this 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 prejudiced image of the evil American money suckers, yeah, <laughs> who are keen to bring life a mercy side born. Here we go. Red as a CEO into the company. I mean, American businessmen who don't ca wouldn't care about that. Uh. Yeah. Would they be keen to, to, to yeah, have a closer look at the, especially someone who is born there and, yeah, some somehow already, yeah, bound to the club emotionally? Uh, the thing is, he's, he's, he's not only a lifelong red, um, he's also uh, been working in uh, American business companies for the larger part of 30 years. Uh, very successful. Um, with very big names, with very big brands, so um, he, he's got the pedigree. He knows how to talk to the people in Boston, who are obviously very tight at, at running. If you compare, if you if you see what Air had to, to work with, um, I, I don't think he, he had a lot of wiggle room um, to go on about things. I think he needs needed to run everything by for, uh, through Boston um, because m maybe did the, the they didn't trust him enough. I don't know. Um, this is their appointment. Um, he's their man. Uh, he, he he's he's worked in Boston, so he knows mm. how these people think. Um, I, I actually think he's a he's got a season ticket um, uh, with the Red Sox as well. So you know he, he talks um, FSG talk. He talks American, um, but he's also capable of. Uh, talking proper scouts and um, you know deal with <laughs> fans and that is very very important to to the club and 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 the way he's um, the city looks at the club, uh, which is still a very very important he, thing. He really does talk like I an American, though. I think. Yeah, I think a lot of fans, uh, especially Liverpool fans, underestimated and didn't appreciate what Ian Air did. Uh, how he dragged the commercial side of Liverpool out of the doldrums under the Moors uh, era, and uh, we really were. Did, that's where we lost. Uh, we, that's where we actually fell off the perch. Manchester United never kicked us off the perch. We actually toppled off it because we never kept up <laughs> with the commercial side of, of, mm. of the game, uh, where United got strong co commercially, the branding and everything. We stayed the good old boys' club the backroom boys and everything like that. Um, 
but with Rick Perry uh, and, and Peter Moore, it was a disaster from a commercial. But Ian Ayres was really, really good. He increased the revenue a hundredfold at Liverpool while he was in charge. And I think That's Peter well, Moore is going to take... He's done great things, but yeah. uh, at the same time, for us, Kausa, to go out and say, uh, be careful what you wish for uh, with the ticket price thing. Um, you know, Yeah, he, no, nobody's denying and, and, he made a couple of mistakes. But in a sense, you can say, why was he, as a CEO, um, talking in Russia or Ukraine, um, talking about getting Kono Klyanka? Why was he there? Why wasn't there a Michael Zork type of guy? I, th a, I think he had, know, much, he had too much on his director. Why wasn't he there? Why didn't we have one of them? And asks a guy who knows everything about you know, business deals, why did we have him trying to buy a player from some Russian oil oil oligarch. I don't know. But but I, I think that's think why we've got a split. I think that's why we've got a split uh, in terms of the top management of Liverpool. The CEO is now going to run Liverpool and then we've got Edwards coming in to work with Klopp. Let's yeah. let's um let's look at this Not point a little bit. Edwards, yeah. but, uh, let's let's look at let, let's look at this point a little bit and maybe I'll pose this question to to um mental there. Um but just before that I was just going to say that um Peter Moore, he speaks like an American. I mean, I was just watching a really good documentary. I'm still in the middle of watching it uh, on YouTube. Okay, so if you can if you can search on YouTube, uh, it's basically called the history of video games. The history of video games. Uh, it's a Discovery Channel documentary, uh, and from episode two onwards, you see a lot of um, snippets featuring Peter Moore giving his his perspective um, on 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 on, the, on that sector. Okay, with, especially with regards to his experience. But this question, I've just I'll post to Mental Nut right now. I'll, I've just um, uh, done a poll. Well, in the middle of doing a poll uh, on Twitter, there's only like seven votes at the moment, but there's got like 22 hours left. And I've basically asked this question: Is there a disconnect between football operations and commercial activities at LFC? And seven people have voted, and all seven have said yes. Okay, so 100% um, yes. So we know that Mike Gordon, okay, and uh, Edwards, okay, will continue to control the football side of the of the club, while Peter Moore, we assume, is going to be cons uh, largely concerned with commercial activities, okay. So, mental, how do you think? Do you think there's this gap that needs to be bridged, or is it, is it uh, this separation between commercial and football operations? This this gap needs to continue to exist. And what are the pros and cons of of this, in your opinion? Um, I think most of the fan base, or a lot of the fan base, don't see any connection between the two. They just they can't entertain that there's a connection. It's kind of it's weird actually, it's, uh, because they you know they have their expectations as a fan of a historically very big club, um, and that's kind of the only uh, that's the only thing they see through their binoculars, um, and they don't really see they see the business side of it as an evil. You know, it's it's just people trying to rip people off. You know, it's it's uh, it's a, it's an absolutely evil activity that's going on. It's, it's a really strange um, separation of the two things. Um, you know, they want to talk about buying world class players. You know, we need owners that, that care about the football. Um, but and yet, uh, people uh, engaging in the, the practice of business and raising revenues—that's how some somehow they're, they're just doing it to pad their own pockets, to line their own pockets. Oh, because they're, they're you know they're going to sell and take all that money. I mean. Personally, I, I uh, just 
I don't want to rehash the old questions, but personally, I don't think they did get a steal with Liverpool. Um, and I don't think they thought they got a steal either. It was promoted to them as a steal, but uh, I don't think that was John, John Henry's view. In fact, he described it as catching a ball in line. Yeah. Um, but uh, I won't go into that. That's a, obviously a different question. Yeah. But um, the, the big thing about Peter Moore is he's, uh, I think at, at, at the top levels of management, you know, people talk and there's an awful lot of bullshit involved. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so you can't sort of take everything too seriously. And, and they relay great, they have great stories, especially when they're involved in something as dynamic and as massive as computer games. Um, um, and and they're, they're great stories to listen to, but it's, of course it's their view. And if you, you wonder if you spoke to their employees, what the story would actually be, um, uh, what really happened. But, um, but the point is about Peter Moore is his, his knowledge of dealing with a marketplace on a global level. Uh, and that's a big experience. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and the things he says about you know, the different countries and Japan and how they uh, different divisions operate in, sort of autonomously almost from each other. And you know, they don't want to accept common marketing things and ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of experience of dealing with those boundaries yeah. is hugely important. I mean, you know, we've, we've got to develop this... Uh, where, where, where do we go from here? What do we have to develop? Well, Champions League, you know, has obvious benefits to it. And the other side is the is is the global fan base, right? You've got to you've got to look at the up and coming um, parts of the world yep. where people are turning into consumers, yep. and of uh, um, all all types of goods, not just you know football is just one of them. Yeah. Um, so you know you, you you're looking at growth. So we're looking at global growth. So you need someone who understands what glo- operating globally means. Yeah. Um, so I think that's very, very valuable because um, actually Ian Air did have some experience in that. He's, you know, his, yep. his, uh, his, uh, manager, his top-level managerial experience came from uh, Malaysia, didn't it? That's right, yeah. Um, so at least he has some appreciation. Um, but Peter Moore obviously brings a lot more to the table in that sense. Um, so, you know, this is something that really Liverpool don't have in their ranks. Um and it appeals more. He's 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 more sexy with EA Sports, with FIFA. Um, you know, he he, he brings yeah, that label. More, what could connect more with uh, with a football fan base than that? Um, yeah. So even if even if his appointment didn't work out for some reason, I think it's hugely important uh, that Liverpool go through this. Yes. And uh, and get yes, the experience. Definitely. <clears throat> the only definitely. downside for me is that he's sixty-two. You know, I get that you need... Hey, 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 hey. Some... he's only five years older than me. He's only five years older than me. Here we go. That's what I mean. He's a senior citizen. He can, he can get on the bus by discount. I, I just want to know, does he know how to use Skype? Yeah. <laughs> I'll get an interview. Oh, that's, that's the, agent, the agent will speak to the agent. <laughs> that's a low blow there, Joe. But, um, you know... Well, like I say, Realist- like I say, it may not work. Yeah, the appointment may not work. He'll be there been- for five years. Yeah, sorry, Eric. Yeah, go ahead, Eric. Uh, realistically, he'll be here for five years. Hmm. Yeah. He'll be 66, 67. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll go on beyond that. Um, you know, it's... Uh... He can push the train a lot in five years as a CEO. Yeah, 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 he, he can. But a lot. We, you basically need to find the next one already. Yeah, yeah. I I think um, I sense. I mean, as I mentioned in the in our 
separate chat. I think this is also good news for Klopp because I think he he will find a sympathetic ear with Peter Moore. And I think Peter Moore probably, with his ex- corporate experience and global experience, um, brings a lot more, I would say, uh, gravitas and influence. Okay, um, And I think it's, it's great that we have someone like that, of that calibre, now as part of uh, the top man, the CEO of the club. I, I, there's only positive for me. Uh, let's see how it how it works out. Um, he uh, let, let's let's all not be under any illusion that he has an indeed indeed a, um, a very challenging uh, role. Um, and um, yeah, we wish him uh, all the best. And because if he does well, we do well. Everyone's happy, hopefully. But yeah, we should we should invite him for a forecast. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys so much. It was a it was a great show, and uh, thank you everyone uh, for listening in. And uh, we'll catch you soon at uh, the next one. And uh, take care. Bye all. Bye everybody. Great to meet you all.